You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into Loho Daily, my daily podcast. I'm Loho, a.k.a. Lawrence Holmes. I'm glad that I have my uh, guest today on the show because I grew up watching him, even though he was like five years older than me. Stephen Howard was a star at DePaul. He played in the NBA. He's now an analyst and a, and a speaker. And he does all sorts of great stuff. And he's coming back to Chicago this weekend. So I wanted to have him on the show. He joins me now. What's up, sir? My man. Thanks for having me on the show. We haven't wrapped in a, in a minute. You know, you, you're blowing up so much with all the things you're doing. But, yeah, thanks for having me on the show, man. No, I'm, I'm, I'm never too uh, busy to talk with you. And you seem like you're a very busy man right now. Speaking of busy, I, I, I want to tell you something that you, you don't know, that we have a similarity um, that, uh, you know, you don't know yet. Okay, so what's that? So I, I hear that you, you know, just got your master's out of um, Bama. So congratulations. Um, that's a, a, an amazing accomplishment. So, yeah, kudos to that. Thank you very um, much. I, I really loved my experience at Alabama. It was, man, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was definitely grueling and grinding, but it was a lot of fun. So are you at Bama? Is that what you're trying to tell me? No, no, I'm actually finishing up my master's in, in leadership, and I'm doing my capstone right now. Um, and so I saw you post that. And, you know, I'm so competitive. And so right then I said, ooh, I got to do that too. And so, I'm, you know, in that, like, short month, I've almost completed, started and completed everything. No, not that much, but I'm just kidding. But, yeah, I've been, I've been doing it for a while. And so, yeah, um, kudos what? to that because I know how hard that is to accomplish that. Now, did you do it online or did you travel there? Yeah, I did it online, but I went back and forth to the campus. I actually – um, I actually that was one of my favorite things about it is I felt like I was a part of that community and Alabama did a really great job of kind of making you feel like that. Like it, it's strange because I had I had applied to a lot of different places and uh-huh. they were kind of the only people that acted like they wanted me, not that they just wanted my money but that they wanted me in the program. So I think I took six trips to Tuscaloosa in the two years that I was doing the program, and I, I couldn't be happier. Where, where are you doing your work at? Um, it's, a, it's through an MBA pilot program, and so, yeah, it's various universities and, and, and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. I, I'm, I'm excited, you know, really to finish, but – but yeah, so well, I mean, you were academic all American, so it's not like this is foreign to you. I know your parents are have had a very strong background in education and wanted you to 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 get the most out of your your college basketball experience. Yeah, my mom was a middle school principal. My dad was a, a counselor, and so education was always 
put in the forefront, you know, to me, which which really just meant wherever I was, like DePaul and, um, you know, in the NBA, I was a team nerd. So um, it, it didn't necessarily have a lot of perks when I played, but it did help me get on TV covering basketball with ESPN and Fox Sports. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a big picture guy, so, you know, we'll, we'll go with that. Well, you're going to be back in Chicago this weekend too, right? There, there's a leadership conference that you're doing? Yeah, um, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, world tour. Um, I was asked to go on that, and, and it, it's pretty amazing. And, and as far as, you know, I've been speaking on success and leadership for, you know, last 10, 15 years. And, and once I started getting into leadership and, and um, studying that with my masters and really, you know, studying peak performers and elite performers in leadership, um, isn't it just weird how things just kind of fall into your lap or, or you know, your energy just attracts that? And so um, Think and Grow Rich has, you know, kind of culminated a lot of uh, individual talent to, you know, go to various states in the U.S., Chicago being the next one this weekend, and just help people to um, reach that next level, whatever it is that they want, whether it be personal, professional, um, uh, money, happiness, um, and just, you know, has a whole itinerary of, of things that once you leave, you're immediately able to have tools to be effective and to reach that next level. Um, and I know in, in Chicago, we got Mario Lopez, David, Dave Meltzer, who's, you know, for me is like Gary Vee. If you check him out on, on Instagram, Kevin Harrington, who was one of the original Shark Tank, um, uh, Tim Story, who kind of helps celebrities, and he was on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. Um, my dude, Kerry Hokama, um, big in leadership. He's not going to be in Chicago, but he speaks in other cities. And so uh, it's just a great opportunity. But also for me, you know, when I'm not speaking, I'm out in the audience listening um, and learning because there's just so much wealth of knowledge that's out there. Um, and I'm, as you've shown, you know, you always have to be on that kind of tip of evolving as a person and learning. And I just, I love learning and, you know, taking bits and pieces of, you know, what other people have done and, and how they've become successful and trying to apply it to my life. If so. you want to go see Steven, you can check him out. The Crown Plaza O'Hare, May 18th and 19th, so this weekend. And you can go look and find tickets at tgrworldtour.com, promo code Steven. And remember, it's with a PH. That's how you spell <laughs> Steven Howard's name. I'd love to know, like, now that you're looking at different ways that, that one can lead, what things did you learn from your basketball experience as far as leadership goes, whether it's it's a positive or a negative? I, I think the, the biggest thing that I've learned is, is that the greatest leaders are ones that are able to uh, inspire because in, when I was playing and, you know, when, when you were at DePaul and, and even before that, leadership was more of a um, compliance type of leadership. Like, mm-hmm. hey, Lord, go do this and come back. And, you know, you go do that because you want to be a part of whatever it is that I'm a part of. But now, you know, the great leaders inspire. And so, you know, if you're supposed to be working from nine to five or make, you know, a thousand jump shots, then you're going to 
work from, you know, eight to six because you want to get it done. You're part of the team or you're going to do 1500 jumpers because you want to be better. You want to help the team. And I, that's what I try to do when I help, um, you know, coaches or, or when I help C, C-suite executives or when I speak is, is just trying to get away from that boss mentality. You know, all the time on social media, you hear like, Hey, be a boss. You know, it, it's not about being a boss. No one likes being yelled at. You know, you like being talked to. You, you like when people know about your life and empathize with you and have, show compassion. And, you know, that's what inspires leaders. And, and the greatest leaders have been, in my mind, servant leaders, where they look to help you first within that goal and then, you know, make whatever they want to happen or whatever they're trying to accomplish be accomplished like John Stockton when I was with the Jazz, you know, arguably the greatest point guard in the history of the NBA, and he was better by making other people better. So I just, you know, little things like that is, is what I took from. When do you think that light kind of clicked on for you? Where you like, look, I I know that this is the way that things are done, and you and you yell at guys and you yell at them, try to motivate them. That you figured out that that's not necessarily what motivates everybody. Um, in high school, a little bit more reinforcement, you know, at DePaul, um, because, you know, every different level that you go up from high school to college to pro and NBA, you have to elevate your game. And so seeing how the various coaches that coached me at DePaul and how they would, you know, integrate in um, their relationships with different players and how they tried to push various buttons and whether or not it worked or not, um, you know, just seeing how that worked. And then, you know, on an NBA level, just being around Hall of Fame coaches like Jerry Sloan, um, Popovich uh, with the Spurs, and seeing how they did things and just always, you know, taking note to the little nuances of of things. Um, You know, I think that's when the light came on, I would say, at DePaul, but it really just, got bright once I got into the NBA and, you know, even continued when I'm, you know, was at ESPN and, you know, up until now, really. I, I would imagine that you've probably done some soul searching when it comes to your own motivation. So what have you figured out motivates you? Oh, man. Well, I take a lot from my mom. Um, so I'm a, I'm a perfectionist. And, and so for me, um, like I, I set the bar so high for myself, um, and then I just will not stop until I achieve that. And I will, you know, I won't take no for an answer because, you know, if you remember, I wasn't drafted by the NBA, and then, you know, I just went about making myself an NBA player because, as we both know, if you don't determine what success is for you, someone else is going to determine it for you. NBA tried to tell me that I wasn't an NBA player, and, I was going to be a, a player that only played it in overseas. And I, you know, begged to differ. And so I just did that. And, and even looking back on some of those things that I accomplished, I'm like, man, I, I'm glad I didn't know the odds when I did that. You know, I'm different than Han Solo. Like, you know. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I look back on it. And I was like, man, like, that is crazy that I did that. Like, you were like, I mean, betting it all on black, like, every day, you know, type of stuff. Um, but, but but it's just that, 
you know, that model of, of consistency and, you know, great parenting. I, I give a lot to my parents, and I'm so blessed to be able to, you know, learn from them. And, and those are the ultimate leaders that I took from because I think everybody can go back in their history and see a, a teacher at some point that either motivated them positively or negatively as if, like, Lawrence, you can't do this. You'll never be on the radio, and then here you are, like, at the top of the, your game, you know, on the top voice radio station in, you know, Chicago, and then, you know, occasionally slumming with me during the DePaul game. <laughs> I, never, I never viewed that way. I always felt like I was working with DePaul royalty when, when you would sit down and do color commentary. Are you kidding me? All right, I got one more thing I want to ask you about leadership, and then I want to just pick your brain about basketball. Okay. I'd love to know – you chronicled like how hard this was and being told no and being told that you weren't going to be an NBA player. The moment when you, you make the jazz, that the moment when you get the NBA Jersey, what was that moment like? Ooh, man, uh, you, it's too early to get emotional, but, um, yeah, I was actually in Dallas and, you know, I was on a make good contract. So, you know, in the NBA, for people who don't know that, like for guys that don't have a a guaranteed contract, um, they'll say, hey, you're going to make this amount of money for the year. But up until it's, I think, a certain point up until like January something, you're, you know, you can basically be cut at any time and they just pay what they owe you. And so we happen to be in Dallas and playing the Mavericks. And, you know, I'll never forget, like, you know, they came, to me before the game and they were like, Hey, you know, we're going to sign you for the rest of the year. And then at the, um, at the game, uh, it you know, they're announcing everyone and, you know, my family was there and I could see my dad, you know, off in the corner, like, you know, when they had the lights on them and, 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 you know, they're announcing the starting five, which clearly I was not starting over Carl Malone. So I was not in that. Um, <laughs> And then I just, you know, I saw my dad, you know, kind of like with his fist up. And, you know, my dad didn't really say a lot, you know, but, you know, I always, you know, think back on that, which is special because, you know, he just passed away this, this year. But, you know, yeah, you know, that, that was that moment. And it was, you know, it was kind of a surreal thing to be in Dallas, to have my family there. You know, it was, it was really special. Well, I appreciate you you sharing your story. And, again, if you want to check out what Steven's talking about, you want to see him talk about leadership like this, tgrworldtour.com. You can check him out at the Crown Plaza May 18th and May 19th. Okay, let's talk buckets, man. I have really enjoyed the NBA playoffs so far. I'm looking forward to the, the conference finals. I'd love to know from you. What do you think of the the Western Conference matchup between Portland and Golden State? I mean, I love it. Um, I mean, you're looking at a, a, a Portland team that is coming in with supreme amount of confidence. I mean, I don't know if there's anyone in the NBA as confident as Lillard right now. And, you know, I mean, he's just you know, on that kind of level, and he's been able to sustain it. Um, and so, yeah, and, uh, you know, the big question for me and for everyone is, is how long is KD going to be out? Like, when is he going to be ready? And then when he is ready, at what strength that, 
he's going to be on because I'm really glad that the casual fan is, I hope, finally realizing that Kevin Durant is the greatest offensive weapon in the game right now. Um, and he has been for a while. But I think the fact that he does things so efficiently and so effortlessly that people don't recognize it and they can get off the, the hating crap about him, you know, leaving OKC to go to Golden State um, and realize when you look at OKC and what happened to them, that's why he left. Because, you know, I love Russ and I love his intensity and consistency and all that stuff, but, you know, he's never going to win a title playing that way. If if you were out there trying to guard Kevin Durant, what what would you try and do? See, Lawrence, that's that's the that's the crazy thing. He is unguardable because the efficiency piece is is why he's so unguardable. Because he, like in the playoffs early on, like before he was stopped by, and he really won. Stop. They just had a, a minor blip by Patrick Beverly. He was shooting like 67% from the field. And it's not like he dunks the ball every time like Shaq did. So he's shooting threes, high degree of difficulty. This is a seven-footer that is doing things that, you know, is commonplace for six, five, six, six guys. And he does it with ease and efficiency. So there's no way to guard him like People always talk about, like, oh, you put a small guy on him, he posts him up, and then he put, you know, a tall guy on him, he takes him from the outside. And that's what he does. And just, I mean, the fluidity, his shot, you know, all of that stuff. And and, and he keeps getting better every year. So there is no way. I mean, because with basketball, you, you have to give something up to take something away. So pick and roll, like, that's why everyone picks and rolls, because, you know, you you have to expose something and say, okay, we're going to let that corner shot go or whatever. And so with KD, every time he touches the ball, it's like, okay, who do we want to give this shot up? But even when you guard him and double-team him or switch it up, he's still going to score because he has so much in his offensive arsenal, and he works so tirelessly on that, and he's so good that, I mean, he – he can just score at will. I mean, he's that guy that, you know, you have that um, glass and the, the, the hammer, and it's like break for emergency when you need buckets. <laughs> and then Kevin Durant, his pitcher is in that thing. It's just hit him. It's like, okay, do whatever you want to do. I loved back in the, in the semifinal at the end of game six, it seemed to me, you're talking about a screen roll. It seemed to me that the the Steph Draymond screen roll gave Houston all sorts of problems, and and I love that Steve Kerr just kept going back to it. That that there are a lot of coaches that would go away from it, and they're like, no, we're going to run this high screen roll. We're going to let you know Draymond slip, and, and the Rockets had no answer for it. I was amazed by that. Well, yeah, and and that's why it's so effective because you know you can't ignore Draymond because he's going to score. But then he's so tricky because Draymond could score easily, but then he'll just kick it out to a three instead of just laying it up. And so that's where the indecision and the question mark goes, and that's why they're so that's why they're so good, um, and that's why Steve, Steve Kerr is so good. And back to leadership, that's why he's such a great leader because he understands his 
players, and his players understand him. And, uh, I mean, he's younger. He empathizes with his players. Um, and it, you know, goes that, that whole model of that old style of leadership and the new one where, like, he'll, he'll speak on issues um, that are meaningful to his players. Uh, and that's why guys want to play for him. Um, but the biggest part is, look, if someone's hot, like, he's going to go to them. And, and guys appreciate that, you know. And everybody touches the ball. So that's why I think that KD is going to stay. I don't, I'm not 100% sure, but it's, I'm pretty sure he realizes that that brand of basketball, you're not going to find it other places. And that mental mind state of a player, you know, and your ability to, you know, replicate that every day is so important. In the Eastern Conference, I feel as if we have a throwback series because right. you've got two guys that, that Kawhi can hit threes, but he's he's a guy that, that excels in the mid-range, and Giannis is all mid-range into the basket. What do you think of this series, and what's the thing that you're most looking forward to in it? Man, I, I mean, this is going to be a great series. And for Milwaukee, it's going to be how do they handle this stage because they've been like, you know, the new kid on the block, you know, you know, the last couple of years, like, Hey, this is the team. This is the team. Giannis is the guy he's trying to extend to that next level. And, you know, MVP type player, he's never been able to do that. And, you know, incrementally and exponentially when you each level in the NBA finals, it just is a beast. And I remember when we were in that, you know, Western Conference Finals with the Jazz when we ended up playing the Bulls. It's just every play is so important. And so how is Giannis going to be able to take that type of pressure? Because every possession is important. And will he be able to elevate this game to yet another level? Because his team is going to be looking to him. You know, there's going to be a couple guys that can come up big and be X factors, but everything relies on Giannis. Kawhi has been on that level. He's succeeded on that level. He just did that, you know, with that first, you know, game-winning shot to to decide a, 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 a you know, a, a playoff series. Yep. And so uh, that's going to be interesting. Is is how that whole you know Kawhi versus Giannis thing develops because you know Kawhi, you know, Kawhi is just Kawhi. And both of them playing their top games, which I think they are right now, uh, is going to be interesting to see, you know, who comes out on top. I I mean, neither can – both are unguardable in in a lot of myriad of different ways. But, I mean, it's going to be a great series just to see who Milwaukee is, you know, what team shows up. I agree with you. I'm I'm looking forward to to both of them. I'm also looking forward to – as we're recording, the draft lottery is tonight. And I so want the Bulls to get the number one pick because I I need Zion Williamson highlights in my life, Stephen. Okay, but what like what percentage are they at to to get that top ball? Twelve and a half. <laughs> wow. They're at they're at nineteen percent. They're at nineteen percent to be the seven or eight. They're at twelve and a half uh, to to get the. But remember, they were at what one point eight or percent to get Derrick Rose, and they. I I feel like Zion's going to end up a Nick. Like that's what I'm thinking that that the Knicks will end up with the first pick. Yeah, I mean, I mean, cause, I mean, they have the 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 biggest odds to get him, right? Yeah, I. I 
It's 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 gonna make me sad. You know what? I don't even want to talk about it. I'm not even gonna talk about it because the Bulls end up with a seven pick, and then I'm gonna be sitting here miserable. Let me ask you this before I let you go. You saw Max Struess over the last two years. Does he have a chance to be an NBA player? Mm, I I love Matt Struess. He's a guy that you would want to be on your team because he was so selfless and had so much energy and did so many little things for the team. The one thing that I wished he would have been able to realize, though, as a, as a player, that there are cer- certain times when you have to take over. And in my mind, he never had that mind. He was such a great teammate, you know, that he just did not know the times that he just needed to take over and really how to take over. And in that way, I don't think right now he's ready for NBA. You know, maybe if he, you know, got into the G League or played overseas for a while, because he definitely has the ability to shoot. And, you know, as we all know in the NBA, it's all about specializing in something and being exceptional in something. And people talk about his shooting percentage and how bad it was they don't realize how hard it is to play when the whole team scouting report is on him. Like literally when I'll be watching other teams, like they were like, Hey, what are we going to do here? Max Drews for here. Max Drews over half court, Max Drews out of bounds, Max Drews. So everything was focused on him and he still was able to shoot, you know, at an okay clip. Um, so it's his ability to get into that mindset of like, Hey, I'm a shooter. I'm going to do that. And I can do a couple other things well, but like, I have to be amazing at, at shooting. And once he realized that and gets that kind of mentality and focus that you have to have at that level, I think he could. Um, but right now, I don't think he's, he's ready, but I do think he has that potential. Um, but you, you talked about the draft night tonight. I mean, you know, I don't know how many years ago that was. They told me I wasn't ready. So, you know, who am I to, to say what Max Drews can do? Well, well, let me ask you to, to to kind of bring everything full circle. You played in Europe and you played in the NBA. If you were advising Max Struess, let's say he doesn't get drafted in June. Let's say that, they, that he doesn't find his way onto an NBA roster. Would you suggest that he go play in Europe or play in the G League? Well, see, that's where he has to have that plan and he has to decide what that – success for his future means. And, and if he's like, I am an NBA player, I'm going to play, then he should stay and play in the G League um, and not even mess with Europe. Even though now scouting is different, and if you're a good player, regardless of where you're playing in the world, they're going to find you. But playing against that American talent and elevating your game that way, for me right now, is the best bet. Because when you go to Europe, there are so many different things that you have to deal with. Getting paid on time, you're homesick, you know, dealing with the different cultures and, and et cetera, and, and teammates that don't necessarily play team basketball, and they're trying to get their shine on, and it's just a different brand. So for me, if, if a young player just is like, I am an NBA player, you go the draft route, you go to – you know, rookie camp, then you go to vet camp, and if you don't make it, you go to the G League, and you keep doing that, and you give it a certain time. Like, hey, I'm going to give it three years. I'm going to give it five years. If not, then I'm going to go play overseas. Um, and then that depends on his, you know, what his family needs financially, if, you know, because he could make some really good money if he went overseas and maybe, you know, he probably isn't high enough right now to play at a, a high level 
overseas, but play somewhere and just kill it, you know, like David Booth did when he averaged 40 for a whole season, which yeah. I still don't understand. Well, I do because, you know, he never hit me with many assists, so I do understand <laughs> how he did. But, you know. <laughs> no, you know David's my guy. I actually talked to him a couple of days ago, so if you're listening, David, you're my boy, Booth. You know. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so that's what I think he should he should do. Steven, this was a delight, man. Thanks so much, and, and good luck this weekend with the Leadership Talk. Hey, again, thank you for having me on. Like, thank you for um, really leading and showing people success in the way you do it with your um, on the radio, um, the score, your podcast, you, you know, when you're working on the sidelines with DePaul, like, you know, you, you make all the Blue Demons proud. And, uh, and I, I think you and I are going to be excited, you know, this next season with DePaul because they got some really good things brewing so man fingers crossed fingers crossed i know i'll see you at some of the games in those great suits that you have so uh, i will make sure that i step my game up the next time you see me yeah hey and keep doing the donut thing because that's the other similarity we share like that's that's crack right there so don't do it as much but man i love me some donuts what's your favorite is there a place down in dallas that you like honestly one of my well there's a little you know strip mall place right by my house that's amazing but in Chicago, someone turned me on to the vault one time, and I walked there from my hotel. Oh, my goodness. Wow. The donut vault is great. I would suggest the next time that you come back, you try fire cakes. Okay. That place is great. And do right donuts in the city is pretty amazing. Okay. It, it's going to depend on my size at the time. <laughs> you know, because I do have to fit in those. That athletic cut does not give you a lot of room. So, no. like, literally the whole week before a game or three, like, I'm like, okay, I can't eat this because, you know, I'm just like, man, I like, look at what state I'm in right now, like, deciding what I can eat to fit into a suit. This is horrible. And see, you'll be ready. I have no doubt in my mind you'll be ready. Thanks, sir. Be well. Thank you, man. That is Stephen Howard, DePaul royalty. One of my favorites that I, I get a chance. We did DePaul tournaments in the Virgin Islands, and that dude is a hoot. I hope you enjoyed it because I enjoy talking with him, and I'm glad that he's out here really trying to do good things. You can go see Stephen May 18th and 19th at the Crown Plaza O'Hare, TGRWorldTour.com. Thanks for listening to Loho Daily. Hope you got something out of that. I know I did. See you tomorrow.